The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 28th of August, I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking... Has Darwin Nunes kick-started his Liverpool career? This really could be, I think, one of those days where we look back on and go, that was the day that Darwin Nunes really announced himself in a Liverpool shirt. Is Arteta trying to change too much at Arsenal? There is obviously some tactical tinkering. Thomas Partey's role has changed. Gabriel has not been in the team. And what next for the Spanish Football Federation? The Spanish government can't just pick and choose who is the Spanish Federation president. It's up to the Federation themselves. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Rolled it up here for Nunez to win it! Wow, that's crazy! The Leiberberg soars! Jurgen Klopp hailed a super special result after 10-man Liverpool completed a remarkable comeback to win 2-1 against Newcastle. Liverpool, despite losing Virgil van Dijk to a red card in the first half after already falling behind to Anthony Gordon's opening goal at St James's Park, extended their unbeaten Premier League run to 14 matches thanks to a stunning late double from substitute Darwin Nunes. Newcastle boss Eddie Howe also said Liverpool should have been down to nine men when referee John Brooks didn't give Trent Alexander-Arnold a second yellow card when he fouled Gordon. Here to sum up a madcap Liverpool victory for us is our Reds writer, James Pearce. James, how on earth did Liverpool turn this one around? Well, it was a remarkable victory for Liverpool against the odds. I think they looked absolutely doomed in that first half when Virgil van Dijk was sent off. Still over an hour to go at that point, already 1-0 down to, to Anthony Gordon's goal. And you feared for them, really. You thought this, is, this, this could get really messy against an opponent as accomplished as Newcastle. How did they turn it round? Well, I think certainly they were indebted to the brilliance of Alisson. You know, that was a world-class save to deny Almiron. And that was, that was huge, not letting Newcastle get that second goal, not giving them that breathing space space because the longer it went on the you know and Liverpool defended really bravely collectively worked so hard for each other you could see the the unity that that Klopp has has, has created and, and you could just sense the longer it went on that the nerves started to jangle a bit both I think Newcastle didn't really know whether to stick or twist you also have to give Klopp some credit for the impact of his substitutions because Harvey Elliott and Diogo Jota did really well credit to Joe Gomez as well you know of course Darwin Nunes will hog the headlines with his Stunning match-winning double. This was just the second time Darwin Nunes has been on the score seat since March. Feels like it's pretty important for his Liverpool career. I think this could be huge for Darwin Nunes' Liverpool career. It's been so stop-start for him since he arrived from Benfica just over a year ago. You know, you think of the red card he had on his his home debut against Crystal Palace. You know, lots of little issues with muscle problems. The the men he was in and out of the team. I think there's also been that period of trying to adjust to what Klopp wants from him tactically. You know, he had the frustration of seeing Cody Gagpo essentially nail down that number nine spot in Klopp's team during the second half for last season. He's, he's been crying out for a big moment like this. You know, this is by far and away his his biggest contribution in a Liverpool shirt. Two finishes of the highest quality. It was classic Nunes really in terms of we know he's at his best and he loves it the most when he's running in behind and this really could be I think one of those days where we look back on and go that was the day that Darwin Nunes really announced himself in a Liverpool shirt. And what did Klopp have to say about Nunes after the game? I asked Klopp about Darwin Nunes' performance and his impact off the bench and the Liverpool manager said, yeah, he was, he's been frustrated. He said, you know, that was him taking out his frustration because he hasn't started. He only 
you know, came off the bench, I think, midway through the second half against Chelsea. You know, only got five or six minutes against Bournemouth. And then again today, what was it, inside the last 15 when he was brought off the bench. He, he wants to be starting games. He wants to be leading the line for Liverpool. And um, Klopp said, you know, it's, that's the way to do it. That's the way to respond is when you get the chance, when you get the opportunity to impress, you've got to grasp it. And he certainly could have not done any more to possibly force his way into that starting lineup to face Aston Villa next Sunday. Arsenal may be ahead of Liverpool in the very early Premier League standings, but manager Mikel Arteta said his players have to look at themselves after they blew a late lead against 10-man Fulham. Jao Palinia's 87th-minute equaliser saw the Gunners drop their first points of the campaign, despite them having earlier come from behind with goals from Bakaya Saka and Eddie Nketiah. Arteta's employed a different approach this season, with Thomas Partey pushing forward from right-back and Kai Havertz playing alongside Martin Odegaard in midfield. Havertz was substituted in the 56th minute at the Emirates and Arteta admitted it was a tough day for the former Chelsea player. But does Arteta need to look at his decisions as well? Here to ponder exactly that is Nick Miller, who's written about Arteta's meddling in his Monday column for The Athletic. Nick, Arsenal, seven points from nine so far, but there are some signs Arteta's sort of overthinking things here with his new tactical plan. It's possible. This is a mere tactical mortal speaking but I, I would have thought that they had um they were obviously very good last season almost won the league it, that to, to to me says you're doing things right just carry on doing that but a bit better you, you everyone's a year old everyone's a little bit more experienced bring in some complementary players to make that better but there is obviously some tactical tinkering. Thomas Partey's role has changed. Gabriel has not been in the team. So it, 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 this is only three games. They haven't lost any of them. There's obviously, you know, no need and no cause to panic here. But it does feel a little bit like possibly innovation or an attempt at innovation for innovation's sake. At, at the moment, I, I, I'm just not entirely sure why they are doing what they're doing. If people think you quibbling after you know one draw recent history does tell us they need to be pretty close to perfection here to make up the gap to Man City what did you think they needed to change in the summer from last season to try and do that the obvious thing to do was just kind of more of the same uh, with, with better in the players in the first team and a little bit more quality and depth one thing that um, the new way of doing things might that one of the aims might be is to try and mitigate against the situation they had last season when it, it not not quite all fell apart uh, when William Saliba got injured it all seemed to go a little bit downhill from there and obviously if you're going to win the title you can't really be reliant on all of your key players remaining fit all of the time so that might be uh, one of the reasons but yeah, you, you would have thought with spending that uh, the, the, all that money on on Declan Rice and uh, Kai Havertz to come in for whatever the role that Kai Havertz has come in for. Obviously, they've been quite lucky with the, the injury to Julian Timber. But yeah, I, I would have thought that the, the logical thing to do would be similar, but with better players. And their recruitment has been decent, but do they need some additions before Friday's deadline? I don't think so, but I, I know that there has been some suggestion that they might go in for another defender given the injury to Timber the uh, Kieran Tierney has obviously left on loan for Real Sociedad I think that was confirmed earlier on on Sunday I would I'd be slightly surprised if they brought anyone new in it feels like outgoings are more seem more likely but if if anywhere you would think that it would be an, another defender to kind of mitigate against 
the timber injury will be the area that they will strengthen, if any. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Now, one of the most extraordinary football stories of the year continues to have serious consequences and recriminations more than one week after it began, when Spanish Football Federation President Luis Rubiales kissed Spain forward Jenny Hermoso after their World Cup final win over England eight days ago. It set about a chain of events that has now led to Rubiales being suspended by FIFA, while Spain's entire coaching team, bar controversial manager Jorge Vilda, resigned in solidarity with Hermoso. 81 players also said they wouldn't play for Spain again until Rubiales was removed, but he has steadfastly refused to resign. FIFA's suspension prohibits Rubiales from all football-related activities at national and international level for 90 days pending disciplinary proceedings. Meanwhile, the Spanish Federation doubled down on its defence of Rubiales on Sunday and accused Hermoso of lying. Our Spanish football expert Dermot Corrigan joins me now to try and make sense of what is an utterly bewildering scandal. Dermot, it feels like this could have been nipped in the bud a week ago with, what, a contrite apology and some recognition of wrongdoing. What does it say about the Spanish Federation that it's now become such a huge scandal? Yeah, it, it says a lot about the personality of, of Luis Rubiales, who's the Federation president, and generally just how the Federation works, that he ruled the roost there. Because he he went on the attack as soon as people started to criticize the case of Jenny Hermoso instead of you know him maybe if he had said look I got carried away by by the emotion of it although you know maybe that wouldn't have been enough either but he he just went on the attack against his critics he tried to apologize made a mess of that as well and yeah it's just gone from from worse to worse for him up to the point where he was suspended by FIFA and what's the reaction been like in Spain Derma? is this really sort of dominating the national conversation? It is. It's. It's been. It's been quite strange because there. I was just a general election in Spain, so there's a home. They're still trying to form a government, so that should have been the main news of the week, um, leading all the, the TV bulletins and everything. But the Rubiales case has kind of plugged into that because it's the socialist government who are acting government at the minute who've been really pushing to get Rubiales out, whereas the more conservative people who are also trying to form a government at the minute have been um, very quiet about it. Really, have been yeah, just sitting on their hands really. So. It depends a lot where you come down on that kind of it's a, a culture war t- type of a thing here in Spain where half the country think it's a disgrace that Rubiales should never have done it and should have immediately been resigned. The other half think there's been a bit of a mountain made out of a molehill. I mean, I hesitate to ask, but where on earth does this story go next? Well, Rubiales has prepared for, he knew he was going to be temporarily suspended and he handpicked a successor who, who has just taken over as interim president at the Federation. He's called a meeting of the kind of the barons, the, the real power sources within the Federation for tomorrow. Even since Rubiales was temporarily suspended by FIFA, we've seen Luis de la Fuente, the men's coach, come out with a statement which was quite wishy-washy as if he's trying to protect both his position within the Federation and also, you know, kind of look better in, in public opinion. Barcelona president Juan Laporta came out with a, a, finally came out with a statement which criticised Rubiales, whereas he'd been quite quiet on it before. So everybody is kind of waiting to see Rubiales. You know, he's he's banned from all football activities, but he's kind of bunkered in. Him and the people around him have bunkered in for a long legal fight. The Spanish government can't just pick and choose who is the Spanish Federation president. It's up to the Federation themselves. So Spanish, and that, that means that different power sources within Spanish football, also looking at, at the clubs, the big clubs, La Liga, the, the referees, women's football, men's football. Everybody has a, has a say in who's the, the president of the Federation, but that means it's going to take a long time to work out. So... This has, um, it's not over yet uh, and there's a long way to run. 
In terms of football played in Spain over the weekend, Barcelona won a roller coaster game at Villarreal, initially letting an early 2 0 lead slip as Villarreal surged 3 2 ahead in the second half, only for Barca to score twice in three minutes through Ferran Torres and Robert Lewandowski to win 4 3. Real Madrid remain the only team in La Liga with a 100% record after Jude Bellingham scored his fourth goal in just three appearances in a 1-0 win at Celta Vigo. He and England teammate Harry Kane continue to enjoy extremely impressive starts with their new clubs. Kane scored twice as Bayern Munich beat Augsburg 3-1. Meanwhile, it was a Scott who helped cause one of the surprise European results of the weekend with Lewis Ferguson's goal earning Bologna a 1-0 draw at Juventus. Elsewhere in Italy, Christian Pulisic scored once again for AC Milan as they thrashed Torino 4-1, while in the late game on Sunday night, Victor Osimone was on the score sheet as Napoli beat Sassuolo 2-0. Inter Milan play Cagliari tonight in a game you can watch on TNT at 7.45 in the UK, or that's on Paramount Plus in the US. Or if you prefer some La Liga action, Atletico Madrid travel to Real Vallecano. That's on Viaplay Sports at 8.30pm or on ESPN Plus in the States. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more. And feel free to leave us a review if you can. I'll be back here again tomorrow. See you in the morning. The Athletic.